Welcome to the Resilient Mind Podcast, exploring how our thoughts and feelings influence our actions. I am Steve Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More, professional coaching firm, and... I'm Andrew Marangoni, founder and CEO of Steel City Pack Leader. Together, we founded Pittsburgh Pet Care, where coaching and pet care meet. And this is our podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever episode of the Resilient Mind podcast. I'm Steve Nathanson here with Andrew Marangoni, and we are really Hi, excited. <laughs> hey, Andrew. Uh, really excited to have this first episode to kick this podcast off with you and uh, what it can bring. So, Andrew, thank you, man, for, uh, sir, for some, finding some time for us to get together and do this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about bringing people this podcast. It's something that people definitely need. And uh, I'm excited to help people learn, grow and become more resilient to our ever changing world. Yeah. And, you know, there's actually a great sentiment in there, too, is like what's behind this podcast for us was whether it's animals uh, that that Andrew and I work with, whether it's human beings that we work with as well, it's our mind really has a huge impact on how we act and what results we get in life, right? So if we can harness the power of our thought, our internal communication, and the way we do that with others, create the resilience from that, we truly can bring about what we want in life. And that's essentially kind of what we want to do here with this podcast is help people really harness that power of thought and communication to create a resilient mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, been working with people and animals for almost 14 years now. And what I can say is, is that the way people think and feel about what they do really greatly impacts the outcome of their processes. Yeah. And actually, uh, since you brought that up, do you mind maybe sharing a little bit more about your, your breadth of experiences in that realm for folks? Sure. Um, so I'm a dog trainer. I'm certified fear-free dog training professional. Um, I have a dog certificate from Animal Behavioral College. Um, I started Steel City Pack Leader in 2008. I was working as a dog walker before that in 2006 at a company called King of Pack Hair. Um, and they just did dog walking. So I became a trainer. And then I started Steel City Pack Leader and started training. And from there, my, I, I've always just been trying to do better and better and better. Uh, I partnered with a few dog daycares to try to learn that side of the business. And after doing that, I kind of decided that wasn't for me and, you know, kind of ended up here. And during that time is when, you know, I took you on as a dog training client. And then yep. eventually <laughs> you took me on as a coaching client. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's very interesting that probably about two or three years ago is when I started seeing that, you know, synergy between coaching and dog training and how I could blend what you're teaching me to how I can teach my people. Um, and listening to a bunch of other professionals in, I was actually kind of ahead of the curve because it seems like they're all moving towards that too, which mm. is more working with the humans and understanding it's their responsibility to help their pet become resilient. Yeah. Um, and it's not all about the moment. It's about looking down the road to, you know, being right. proactive and, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. So that's, that's how I got here. Um, 
that's definitely the boiled down version, but we'll, we'll be talking more about that. Um, let's talk about how you got here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Actually. Uh, so that's a, it's a really good question. And maybe before we do that real quick, how long have you been with Steel City Pack Leader? Since 2008. So Since that's 2008. 12 years. Yeah. That's a great, great depth of experience. Uh, so actually just a year after you started Steel City Pack Leader is really one of key moments in, in my journeys, right, in 2009. So before 2009, I was a mechanical engineer. I went to school for engineering, but when I graduated, I knew definitively not what I wanted to do as a career. So I had to figure out, well, what was it that I wanted, right? What was something that had a huge amount of meaning for me? So when I graduated, I took that time to explore what would help me really get a lot of things out of a job that would be meaningful for me. It would fulfill my need for dealing with people, being social, get me out of the office, always different. And that really led me into law enforcement and specifically focusing on trying to get into the FBI because of their mission, what they did here at home here in this country. And over the course of my employment, I had to meet certain eligibility requirements to actually apply to the FBI. So in 2009, I was able to apply, go through the process, get in, go to the FBI Academy, and then become a special agent with the FBI. So over the time that I was with the FBI, I ended up doing healthcare fraud investigations. I also did intellectual property crime. So if you see the little anti-piracy warning at the beginning of movies, I like to say, think of me when you see those, because that's the kind of cases we did there. Um, did drug investigations, also had a hand in gang investigations, counterintelligence, counterterrorism, and probably most importantly, child pornography investigations as well. And I really enjoyed the time that I had there. I was very proud and still am of what I was able to achieve and had a lot of great success, but I realized that I was working a lot of hours. The path to get to where I wanted to go with the FBI looked like a number of different cities over a number of different years. So about three to four cities over the another seven to 10 years. And at that point I said, well, is that where I want to get to? And do I want to take that path or is there something else out there for me? And that's actually sure. when I discovered coaching, right? Which is what's really brought me to where we are today is making that decision to end up leaving the FBI, knowing that coaching could really truly fulfill that need for me to impact others and have that positive influence on our society. And that led me into going back to school to get a master's in organization development and leadership, get my professional coaching certificate, get a slew of fitness related certifications as well, all really kind of nicely holistically wrapping up my background and experiences to have my own coaching company, my own speaking company, which is what led me to, to really meeting Andrew. Um, if I had never left the FBI, I never would have had my two wonderful Vishla dogs and never would have met Andrew and we wouldn't be here today. So it's kind of a little bit of, about my background in a nutshell. All right. I'm curious what, when you, when it seemed like right when you graduated, you didn't want to do engineering. What was it that made you come to that realization right at the end? <laughs> you know, so it's, that's actually a really good question. I knew throughout school that I did not want to be an engineer, but when I was young, I really was focused on, I want to get a degree to get a, to get a job. I want to get a job because I want to make money. And I need money because, well, that's a constraint society puts on all of us, right? Regardless of what that looks like for us, that's not going away anytime soon. So I wanted to support myself, right? And I knew getting a degree to get a job would help me do that. 
So that's what I was really focused on instead of, well, am I actually going to be happy doing this for 40 years? When I graduated, I think I was really at that point of knowing definitively I'm not going to be happy doing this. And I do need to find something that's different than uh, a career in engineering. And was that's that thought, was that thought process scary for you? Like, did, were you like frustrated? Like how, how did you prepare yourself for the change of, I just spent four years of my life trying to accomplish <laughs> something that I'm basically going to be like, Oh, well I have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. And yeah, it, it it's a scary thought, right? When we, when we had the sensation of something that's off in life and we know it's something that's off, it does take courage to really explore that because it's unknown. I, I know this, I know this route, but I don't know what this other road maybe holds for me. And how do I even take that first step towards it? Right. It is, sure. it is definitely, I think, a, a scary thing to face, but we are all capable of doing it, I think, is an important part of it. Um, for me, I, I often describe it this way, is when we change as human beings, there's this point, right? It's an activation point, a spark that's ignited. And it more often than not comes from, I can't do this anymore or I can't live this way anymore versus maybe a positive change, right? It's more from something that we don't want to deal with anymore or we can't deal with anymore. And I think that's really what the separation point was for me to your question of when I graduated, I really was unhappy enough with how I felt about maybe being an engineer or the lack of fulfillment I think that I had personally from just crunching numbers at a desk, that that's really what was the impetus for me to actually make that change and say, I am just so unhappy with doing it. It influences the way that I think, the behavior, the way I interact with people. I don't want that drain to be there anymore. That's what really flipped the script. And I think until I fully embraced that or felt enough of its effects, I didn't take that step to figure out what it is that I wanted. Gotcha. <clears throat> See, I was a chef before I was a dog trainer and I got lucky that dog walking actually just paid more than being a chef, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Like, I, And I wasn't just like a cook, like I was a pretty good chef. Um, but there's just something when you, when you're an entrepreneur versus being an employee is the limits are just different like there are no limits on an entrepreneur whereas at the place i was working i was a union chef so i could only make 13 dollars an hour um yeah. and then or move to management when they tried to move me to management it would seem more like a decrease because <laughs> i was making like 20 dollars an hour but i had to pay for all my benefits and blah 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 and this and that so it kind of was like a wash um and then my friend started this dog walking company. It's like, how much are you making per dog? And he told me, and I was like, well, I'm doing that. And uh, shortly into that, I was like, I saw that people needed help with their dogs. And so I, I, I also bred my dog at the time, which was a big mistake. And I had all kinds of aggression issues with those puppies. So I looked into dog training and it was super expensive, but it was one of those things where I looked at it 
as well what does it take to become a dog trainer because i got multiple dogs here and i'm walking dogs and it was actually cheaper to become a dog trainer than it was to get them trained mm. <laughs> you know what's so, oh sorry go yeah. ahead no, so that's that's what put me on my path is yeah. that it was actually a step forward financially. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where I, I didn't see it as like being an entrepreneur is something scary. I thought that was, you know, mm. something that, you know, most people strive to do, um, but just don't. But I have found that that's not the case. Most people want a job. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, there's, you know, it's a balance of needs, right? Is there really, unfortunately, does happen to be a huge trade off today, right? Of am I actually happy in my career? And I, I don't want to quote any statistics, because I know there's been a lot put out there, of like what the percentage is of like, it's 70% of Americans or 80%. You know, I don't want to quote something that's that's off, but it's generally around that percentage point of how many people are not happy in their career, right? And it's a balance of, I have this need to be able to support myself, to put food on the table, to have clothing, to put myself under shelter, right? To have a, a place to live in. And that comes perhaps at the cost of what really does make me happy. But I think there's a couple key things I heard in there for you. Number one was it's, you know what? It's okay, right? It, it's okay to feel kind of the way that we feel as human beings, because we have both these sides to us, right? We have stuff that is positive, we have stuff that is negative, we have anger, we have happiness, and it's okay for that to happen. And I also heard that it's, it's okay to take opportunities or to be open to opportunities that present themselves, right? And that things do change and shift in life and to be open to something that's available to us can lead us to ultimately where we want to go that fulfills perhaps more needs than what we had before, right? The finance and maybe the fulfillment. And I know how much joy you get actually from working with dogs and how much you love doing it, the impact that you see from it. And then also being able to support yourself in a way that you couldn't right? as, as a cook too, is another thing that I heard in there as well. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it, it's crazy. And you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, shortly, Shortly after starting my business, I got to like the, my limits pretty quickly is, mm. you know, I ran out of time. That's your first limit is your time. And I quickly got all my time bought. <laughs> so the next step was then I had to find other people to sell their time too. And then I had to start building myself as a human being and as a leader. And that's what started me down this path of uh, understanding and building better habits and looking into um, self-development and self-growth and how that all works. And what you were describing there is almost the first chapter of every book in self-development or self-help is that the human being is programmed to hit this comfortability zone of finance and home and you know if you can maintain that you're comfortable right. but <clears throat> like like you said most people find themselves very unfulfilled <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> in that matter um and definitely i found myself very unfulfilled as a cook um every once in a while somebody was like that was the best meal ever and that's great um but for the most part 
very unappreciated, hard work, little pay, and just the, the monotony of doing it day in and day out and day in and day out. No break, no respite. Um, no really, like even, you know, the most I could, ex I could look for is like moving cities and doing the same thing somewhere else. Um, but, you know, I was never going to own the Omni William Penn Hotel. Right. And actually, you know what? So maybe a great question in there for our listeners is for people who are perhaps in that same boat, whether it's in, say, the cooking industry or not, but people who feel like maybe they're in something that's constraining them, it's helping them get by, but it's not necessarily fulfilling or getting them maybe where they want to be perhaps financially in life. What are some things about your journey from where you started from what you were talking about and where you are now, do you think that you would really kind of hone in on as key things our listeners can take away to help with their resilient mindset? Okay, so the key thing is to really do the work and identify who you are. It is do that deep soul searching, write down a personal mission statement. This is what I stand for. Um, I'm even to the point now where I'm starting to have my dog training clients do this is this is what me and my dog stand for. Um, and then the next part is basically writing a vision statement of where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? Um, those two steps impact lives. Like I don't want to drive too deep down that rabbit hole right at this second, but Identify who you are and write it down. Identify what you want to see or grow into in the future and write that down. And that can change. Absolutely. That doesn't have to be stagnant. It, but when you put something out in front of you, it automatically gives you motivation. Yeah. And I think that's a phenomenal point. And one of the things that I do a lot with my clients actually is, is taking it out from here, right? Um, out from our brains and getting it onto paper, speaking it to somebody else, making it visual, making it tangible. And when you go through that process, it helps create so much clarity because there's so much information swirling around in our minds. And we may think, oh yeah, I know this, I've got this, I understand it. But until we actually force ourselves to go through that process of writing it down, speaking to somebody, we don't necessarily get as much clarity because we haven't forced ourselves yet to go through all those filters to clarify that information, make it more concise, really understand it, to create that mission statement, think it through, and then get it out on paper. And the second part of why I love that so much is when you have it as a tangible visual thing, it can always be present. And so I always say, it's not just about writing it down, but it's about getting it somewhere that you see constantly. We're so visual as human beings that when we see it constantly, it reminds us of it. It ingrains it us in it. Excuse me. It ingrains it in us, and it also inherently motivates us too because it's always present. It doesn't go to the back of our minds and we forget about it. But we see who we are and the impact that that's going to have on us when we create that and we follow that path. So I absolutely love those key points that you just brought out. Yeah, and you make a great point. <clears throat> I just heard uh, a really great uh, Hidden Brain podcast about that visualization 
piece uh, and we are such visual creatures and how athletes use this to break down a marathon is that they're not looking at the finish line they're looking at getting it past the runner in front of them yep. and like breaking the race down into these small manageable chunks um and that's really what goals are is on a marathon is the goals are many even though there's only one real goal and that's to cross the finish line those small tangible goals that you can see in the moment speed up your pace and let you focus and let you move forward and i think that's why when vision boards became such a thing they were so impactful because you are putting that vision in front of you and it's like dangling a carrot in front of a turtle or a horse or however you want to proverbially say that is a vision board or a vision statement or a mission statement written down gives you that tangible thing to look forward to, right? which motivates you to move forward. I know for myself, many times I get to places where I feel lost and idle and, you know, it's not a great place to feel, but mm. sometimes you get to those places and what I have found is the, the one thing that I can always get out of that is go back to Andrew. What do you stand for? Where are you going? Are you doing that? Yes or no? And like what I find is, is that I'm doing that. I just yeah. practice doing it so often that I'm getting pretty good at it. So it doesn't feel like as much work. Yeah. And I mean, actually, and, and again, another great point of it's the practice piece, right? So when we're talking about ingraining who we are or understanding maybe that that mission statement doing what you're stating right now of getting back to me in that moment part of that too is it's the practice right it's okay that maybe it doesn't happen instantaneously right away right we don't change as human beings when we're trying to ingrain that new behavior it doesn't happen instantaneously so we change as human beings over time versus instantaneously is what i meant to say there right so the more that I see it, the more that I practice it, the easier it becomes to do that, to get back to yourself in that moment. And it's okay for it to take time to really ingrain that in us and why that visualization piece too is so important. And I actually really love the marathon example. And, and Andrew knows that I love doing marathons and triathlons and, and all those types of races. And I know you can't see the chuckle on the, on the, on the podcast, but I really was smiling when he brought that up because I do that specifically in my half marathons. That's my favorite marathon distance. The first part of the race for me is just a 5k, right? It's, it's the first 3.1 miles. So I know that once I get to that point, essentially it's all downhill for me is the way that I look at it. So I hit mile marker three. I'm not thinking of, Oh, I got 10 more miles to go. I'm thinking, all right, now I've got less than 10 miles to go. I already got the first three knocked out. Now I'm in my rhythm. I'm in my pace. I'm all set. And I start counting down because I know I've been there before many, many, many times. And it's just another run to get those knocked out. So I've got less than 10 to go. Now I've got less than nine. Now I've got eight. Well, I've got less than seven. I've got less than six. And it's flipping that mindset of I've got less than this. I'm capable of doing it. Easy. Just fine. Easy. Another Sunday run versus, and I've got, I've got twelve more to go. I still got ten more to go. I, 
I don't know how I'm gonna get through this next nine or this next seven or this next four. It's a switch in the mindset that actually activates different nervous systems in our bodies that will either release chemicals that kind of keep us down, right? Or lift us up. And it's a small shift in perspective, small shift in thought that has a huge tangible impact on us, especially when we're talking about the resilience to actually overcome obstacles and achieve what we're looking to achieve in life. So that's a, that was another great point that you brought up there. And if we, if we could be, were to take a look back upon everything that we've kind of talked about today, what comes up to you, Andrew, do you think, in addition to writing down a mission statement and putting it on tangible paper to remind you of who you are, what else do you think you would leave our, our listeners with today? Stop comparing yourself to others. You know, you can, uh, you can look down and feel good about yourself or look up and feel bad about yourself. There's a lot, there are people better than you and there are people worse off than you. It's just, it's a fact of the matter. Um, <clears throat> unless, unless you have a mentor that you're trying to keep up with, you know, you, you should basically just be judging your progress off of who you are today and who you are tomorrow and the next day. And basically comparing your progress from where you came from you know, it really, that really helps me, uh, especially when I'm dealing with people and their dogs, because finish line for dog training, you know, the advertisement always shows the final product, which usually no one gets to, like very few dog training clients get to that really, really well-behaved dog, unless they end up with a well-behaved dog to start with. <laughs> Um, it takes a lot of work and you, if you talk to a hundred dog owners <clears throat> who've done a basic obedience class, 95 of them will say that they stopped there. Mm. The other five said they might take, or the other three might've taken one more class and the last two might've taken one more class or several more classes. Um, and you know, it just goes to show that there are, <clears throat> you know, there, there's lots you can achieve, but there's also lots where you can say, I, I, I accomplished what I was looking to do and that's okay too. Yeah. You know, uh, I think giving yourself the ability to say, this is or is not enough for me is important. And mm -hmm. saying, you know, is this or is this not important to me? or my circle of influence. Um, and that's, that's the other part of it is like, don't get all caught up in what the world wants because it's not, it's not fair. It's not just, <laughs> and it's not even um, sane at this point. I feel yeah. it, that I feel that our thinking is our only protection from trying to manipulate or not be manipulated by a very manipulative world. Um, so not judging yourself harshly, giving yourself permission to, you know, have feelings and understand your feelings. Doesn't mean you have to act on your feelings, but definitely be in touch with them. Um, and going from not 
setting yourself like the marathon is not i have so much further to go but look how far i've come that that's much better for people to to feel think and and make more progress because it's less defeating right it's just less defeating. yeah yeah so it's maybe kind of in summary the way that i would describe that which i love that we really got out was giving yourself permission to be human right i talk about that all the time we've we've talked about that a lot but when I look at what you just said, what we've talked about today and the entirety of its of the episode is really it's it's okay to be a human being because what we, we have a positive or negative side to us, what I like to call serving and non-serving. And it's okay, right? It's okay to be human. It's okay that maybe there's something off in my life that I want to change. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to also explore what may be open to you at the moment and it's okay that maybe it takes time to really accept that i'm actually ready to make this change too right andrew and i have not changed overnight or just at the drop of a hat we definitely took journeys that have taken time we're able to talk about them today but they've been multiple year journeys for each of us in various phases and it's okay for it to take the time that it needs to as well so if I maybe were to, to leave you guys with anything, it's, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to take the time to really understand perhaps what's telling me there's something off in my life, what thoughts that I'm having around it right now, the way that I'm feeling, maybe the behaviors that I'm engaging in because of it. And that awareness piece around it truly is one of the very first steps in actually bringing about what it is that I want in life understanding who I am, how I can hold true to that is the key to understanding well, what is that path that's going to lay out in front of me for me to actually walk to get to where I want to go. That's, I think, how I would probably summarize a lot of what we talked about today. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, uh, I think that for the most part, you know, humans are far more capable than they give themselves credit for. Um, and there's a book, it's called The Slight Edge, and it is about making these small choices every day of things that are easy to do, easy not to do. You know, just like the dishes. I, I like the dishes done, so I try to do them right away, or if I cook, have the girlfriend do them right away, because uh, it's easy to just get them done but it's easy not to do them, but I have to deal with the consequence of them being in the sink. Right. Um, but making these small choices throughout the day, um, basically, as long as you are ending up on the majority side of the serving yep. behaviors that you have, that you're choosing to engage in versus the non-serving ones, you're moving forward. Um, I like to look at it like investing, which is you just stay invested no matter what the market does. It's going to go up and down, but over time, it always goes up. Right. It, right. That's how I feel as a human being is I'm always investing in myself. I have ups and downs, but I'm always going up. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point, right? Is that we are always going up. Our journeys maybe never look like they're going through a straight line. They often go up and down like Andrew just described, but we are always moving forward. 
And that's one thing that over the course of this entire podcast, we're really going to dig into is how do we truly ensure that we are always moving forward, even when it looks like we're perhaps not, there always is that progress that that happens. And it may be two steps forward, one step quote unquote backwards, but we are always moving forward. So we really hope that you've enjoyed everything that we've we've talked about today. There's a lot of exciting things that we have kind of up coming for you in terms of digging into actual ways to really help make your journeys happen, to understand what they're all about, to figure out how to get there, really truly harness that positive serving mindset to help us get there. And we're very much looking forward to, to being able to share all of that with you. So Andrew, perhaps any final words before we, we sign off for the day? No, just believe in yourself, write down your mission statement. And uh, that's a good start for today. Yeah. Well, thank you. you every oh, All measurable progress. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. Um, I'd love to get into that actually in, a, in one of our future episodes. We'll talk about maybe understanding how to see that, that tangible progress, right? How to bring some tangible feedback to it from things that may be intangible. But that's upcoming. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today. I'm Steve Nathanson, and uh, this was Andrew Marangoni as well. We are the, the Resilient Mind Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing. If you would like more information on coaching, look at striveformore.com to find Steve's business, or you can look for pet care options at pittsburghpetcare.com. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at contact at pittsburghpetcare.com. See you next time.